welcome back to the podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be speaking with Ria Beck about her work with collective presencing, which I think is just another example of these beautiful we space practices that are emerging. We talk about circling in this interview and collective presencing is another one of them. And as you'll hear as we speak about it, it's a kind of, you know, it's just so needed this kind of way of being together that I I think it's one of the ways that will help us navigate these times we find ourselves in. So we'll talk about what is collective presencing, why is it important, what happens when you do it, what are some of the phases that we go through as we do it, what helps us to, what helps it work, and it's a really, what you'll hear is Rhea really embodies the kind of way of being that supports generative dialogue, emergent dialogue. It feels like we fall into that kind of space as we're speaking together. Rhea is a real pioneer in this field. She's been working in this field for over 30 years. She has a master's in clinical psychology and a background in, in therapy and is known for really embodying the way of being required for collective presencing and you can find out more about her work by heading to collectivepresencing.org and also about the book she's written on this topic there as usual if you are not on our mailing list and you want to stay in the loop about all things non-coaches rising podcast then you can do so by heading to coachesrising.com put your name in the sign up box there and you'll stay in the loop. And as usual, if you feel like sharing this podcast, that would be marvelous, as they say in England, marvelous or fantastic. So you can do that by heading to coachesrising.com forward slash podcast. Just click on the individual page there, or you can do it via Spotify. We have a growing Spotify listenership. So, okay, all that being said, here is the podcast with Ria Beck. So Ria... Great to be with you. How's things? Hello. Um, I'm not super, super well, but mm. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just checked in about that. So let's just see where this conversation takes us. And um, um, yeah, and and we can just hold that, you know, that that you're not feeling at your best. And um, we're going to talk today about your work, mm-hmm. collective presencing work, I think, that it's really, you know, the more I read about it, the more uh, how important I see this kind of work. So how does that sound if we kind of unpack that? Yeah, sure. Um, and just, yeah, give me some some hints in yeah. or some roadways well, in because... I will, yeah. It's a big the the, piece of the question I just, I think the, the perfect starting question is just how would you describe what collective presencing work is? Yeah, that's that's through the main door, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, maybe a tiny bit of history to actually frame it where it came from. Um, mm. So many, many years ago, um, we found ourselves practitioners of circle practice, um, like how to actually be in circle as human beings have always done. Um, but then 
um, let's say, adapted probably to our world and our uh, society and our ways of working these days. And we notice that sometimes in circle, you could, you could hit a spot together, like, whoa, that was kind of weird, or we called it the magic in the middle, because it was like, sometimes it happened, mostly not, but how, how could we make it happen, actually? How could we create conditions? And so that question basically set me on a track um, of different gatherings with different inquiries, always in circle practice. Like, how could we come to that magic? How we could get some kind of handles on it? Um, I guess some of, I mean, some people know that like, when you have like a really good conversation with a friend or something, and then suddenly it's two hours later and who said what? And you're both enriched, but you don't know who what who caused what or there's there's no cause and effect it's it's in all directions at the same time and so that's what we seek to find or seek to practice um in these practice groups uh, of collective presencing so we're actually building on everybody is present as much as they can and then we engage with the question and then we see what is the collective wisdom that comes out of that. Mm. That's kind of in a nutshell. But what is that moment? You know, like you describe it really well. I think we probably listening, we can recognize those moments where, and I think this is the same for one-on-one -on -one coaching too, you know, yes. like there's these moments in coaching where it's like, something's just there it becomes an elevated conversation and again you're not you know maybe even the role of coach and client um kind of dissolves in a way and there's something coming through and what yeah what were those moments like in the groups where the magic <laughs> came in uh, yeah of course i've been looking at this and thinking hard about this and there's something about of group flow that that is happening like there's people who like jimmy wheel who has been writing about flow but mainly like um a, a music band or um sport players or something but how to find that flow in the conversation yeah so it means that at a certain point, I would say the, the, the gaps or the distinctions between this is me and that is you over there and we don't have anything to do with each other or I don't know, our communication just travels, I don't know, over an invisible train and then travels back or something. Somehow the, our sense of where identity stops or begins or where the collective stops or begins kind of shifts, falls away. Um, and you could even have it in silence. 
like sometimes there's just silence, but it's not an emptiness with nothing in it. It's like a, a shared space of awareness, you could name it, maybe. And like it's it's an intentional shared silence or yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, we we like the words, you know, we like the words to name it well. Well and, and it probably may I don't know how you feel, but maybe in some ways it's beyond words you know like that's perhaps why it can be difficult to put language to it it's beyond words maybe yeah there is definitely that mystery life origin source spirit whatever that but there's also our structure of language like english and dutch which is my main language um it's very chopped up like I do something to you or I do something to this cup of tea and there's a subject actually having an action on a thing or somebody else and then there is a reaction yeah but it's it doesn't say much about what is actually happening in between us Hard, it's hard to express and have words and, and surely the grammar of the sentence doesn't allow for that. Like I heard once, I don't even remember, a tribe who would name trees by the sound the leaves make when the wind goes through the leaves. Yeah? That's... amazing. That's something else than, oh, I see an oak over there. Yeah? Yeah, yeah <laughs> if, totally. If, if we would name an oak by the sound of the leaves when the wind moves through, yeah, that's like almost unimaginable, I think, for our Western heads. It, it makes me think of perhaps how Taoists might relate to their environment more. I have a friend who's originates from China and she talked about how uh-huh. yeah we like we have our sense of identity more in our relationship to things like I was talking to Dave Snowden yesterday and he said also uh-huh. that there there are groups around the world it's like some of the Celtic fringes in in South uh-huh. America southern Europe all, all around the world where they people source themselves more in their relationship to things perhaps than in uh, being an individual, like an I and me. That reminds me of what you're saying here. Yeah, and it's a very Western, I would say, model of development. Like you should be a identity, a person. And you, yeah, there is, there is you, sh- you should go that track and then you're accomplished or something, or then you will find success or, and, and that there is a good um, essential piece in that. Like, I think there is, we need to search for what is our unique gift. I mean, my unique gift, your unique gift, but it, it only, um, how would I say, is actually valuable when it 
is in service of the collective of the circle or the project team or whatever you're in. Um, and that's what we forget. I mean, if you look at the mainstream business world, it's still a lot of fight between you and me and the boss and my colleague and da 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 to be on top of the ladder. And so there is, we don't have to f- um, remove the whole identity striving thing if we just keep that, yeah, everyone has unique gifts to give, yeah? But the context of is not because I need to be the best or the highest on the ladder, but it's like, how can we weave that into a collective and we all rise or we all thrive that would be a better word yeah because do you do you we've kind of dived in deep here do you think Uh this is why this is practice is so important because what we're actually highlighting now is we've emphasized the individual where we can get into the dynamics of me getting ahead against you um, you know, and it limits our collaborative capacity, our ability okay. to source our collective intelligence. And um, what you're talking about sounds just completely different, you know, like maybe even the identity disappears for a while and something collective is coming through. Yeah. And it is, is yeah, it's, it's hard for us to grasp because it, it, it seems like a paradox, but, as if the identity needs to go away for the collective wisdom to be present. And the paradox is you actually should bring your unique stuff into the collective. Otherwise the collective misses out on something. Yeah. You can, if you think like, Oh, I cannot take up space and this is probably nothing to do with the topic. And, I mean, all these kind of things that can go on in our head slash emotions, um, it's not conducive to have a free flow where the collective wisdom can shine or can emerge from. So it's, it's, it seems very paradoxical, but I think that's where we are going where can we move beyond the paradoxes? Right. Because I guess one answer is, oh, well, we've emphasized the individual. Now let's emphasize the collective. But then we've just put the other pole in shadow. Yeah. And um, maybe like, because, you know, we've, we've dived in deep here. And I want to talk about, in a sense, like move on for sure into like, how do you do this? Because you've learned a lot from going into this, but I think it's worth naming a couple of things. Like one is like, why? Because it sounds like there's um, some, you know, why, why do this? Yeah. There's something powerful coming out of it. And I still hold that sense of like, what is that magic? You know, Um, what is it you're tapping into? But so, so there's the why, what comes out of it? And then um, what is it we're tapping into? And of course, then we want to kind of then go into like, what have you learned about how to actually do this? So maybe we could start with the, what comes out of it, you know, what the why thing, like, cause I think people. Um, what yeah. comes out of it. Um, 
so far, um, the practice, as far as I know, hasn't boosted much in what I would say real time projects or problems or business or um, I mean, there are a few that I know of, but but what I see, we have weekly drop-in calls where people just can come and it's one and a half hour. Um, many people come back every week uh, or a couple, like six or eight weeks or something in a row or, and what I notice is that because the, the frame that the, I would say the constraints are very simple. We have a talking piece, we have a check-in, we have a dialogue, we have a check-out. And talking piece means when somebody is speaking, everyone is listening. That's kind of the frame, the, the constraints, or as Snowden would say, the enabling constraints, yeah? Um, and it turns out that many people find it valuable. Many people find even healing, as they name it sometimes, and people get a glimpse of what a next level of consciousness is becoming or that we are trying to experiment with or try to embody more and more or that's what I say we, we are just training our muscle to be in that new fluid conversational space uh, where I always say if you would take notes of what was actually said and you would read it when you were not there it would hardly make sense because it's not a linear debate like yeah you said that but then I, I, I'd have a counter argument and then that's not how it goes it's people bring pieces from their unique place then unique stories emotions sensing um and it seems that when we put all these different pieces in the middle, it has value for the people who are there. It has meaning somehow. And I'm not saying everybody takes the same meaning out of it. That I don't think that is the case, not at all. But it still seems to be quite meaningful. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it seems to me now that it takes us away from that how we think conversation should be linear, kind of. Like, I say something and you say something against and then back and forth and then at the end we have a synthesis or we have a debate and we try to give arguments and could always be seen as a as a, as a play of who is winning, yeah? But in the collective presencing practice, nobody's winning, but maybe everybody wins something. So yeah. 
it's a different, different yeah. paradigm. Do you bring in like content as well? So, cause I, I know when we checked in a few weeks ago, I told you I was involved in circling yeah. a lot, a lot a few years ago. And um, I just remember, and, and I, a lot of my friends still are, and I still am at times, but these being in this space where you're presencing what's here and there's a sense of like this flow that starts to emerge. You're like, you all attune to something, even when there's discord, you know, so mm-hmm. it could be that there's like tension in the space, you know, but yeah. it's like, you're all presencing that tension. And then um, it's an incredibly powerful consciousness practice. It's like, yeah. it, it really does feel that it opens one into a kind of um, attuning to the evolutionary, the, the, the emergence of what's in the space. And that feels inherently fulfilling. Something very meaningful about that. And, yeah. you know, sometimes what I was very curious about in those circling spaces is like, what's it like to bring in like a, a subject, you know, like, yes. um, and do you do that with the collective presencing, you know, like yeah. maybe there's a community challenge or yeah. something. Yeah. I'm, I'm very, uh, I don't know how to say that. I hold on very well to like, it's only collective presencing when there's an actual inquiry about something like, there is a question in the middle, a question that we all care about that kind of resonates with us. And then there's a whole practice and, and, and expertise, you could say, of how to articulate such a question, yeah? So make sure that there are no assumptions in there or, or at least not many. Or <laughs> Or you, at least you know when there are, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and what is it that we're really, really curious about? What is it that we really, really don't understand? Um, and it's, it's not a question about how do I get rid of hunger in my, in my city? Or that's too, too surface-like, like, what would the question be that addresses more deeper layers, more deeper ground, maybe, is a, is a word you could use here. Um, so there were what you call the circling practice. It's like what is unfolding between you and me here and now, yeah? And you get really good training in what to, to notice what is happening in yourself and what is happening in the other maybe and checking that. And so you get real good sensing organs and really good articulation skills. And I would say apply that in a group context around a real question. Mm-hmm. Then you have something of collective presencing. Um, mm practice Mm. yeah beautiful yeah and so um do you notice that there are like phases to the the practice like i i know you wrote about um uh, circles of presence and circles of creation um but like do you notice that there are phases to the group you know where they have to come into coherence and so on 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, like, I think it's very human. Every, let's say, every new group, every new circle um, has what my friend Helen would call like, first, the personality need to empty out a bit. Like, <laughs> some stories need to be told or there's, there's we, we don't start most of the time. We don't start with like, oh, everybody knows what to do. Everybody's totally at ease. We're totally grounded, centered. I've, I haven't seen that unless in my own circle where we meet for years and years and years, yeah, where we can do that and we start with a natural silence. But when a new group start this practice, um, yeah, you can, you can, people want to, to try this and they want to experiment and they have some kind of clue, but of course the personality comes through or the, the, the habits come true. So you, you, you need some of that, how to become present, that circle of presence, yeah. that learning process before you actually can engage with like, okay, now most of the time, most of us can be present, really present. Now we can dive into the collective intelligence, the collective wisdom and see what comes through. Yeah. And you never know where it switches or where, what kind of story from somebody kind of Sometimes you could feel like, ah, now we're, now we're moving. Now we're moving in that direction. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting because that, yeah. Because I think, well, I, I know those moments too, you know, both one-on-one with clients, but in where some, you just feel it drop. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. ah, okay. Yeah. And then you can also recognize when that's not happening. And, and so do you, do you, have you found that, it's actually therefore possible you can create the conditions where that's more likely to happen. You know, that, that kind of shift. Um, what I learned uh, over time is how I enter the space and how I frame the conversation. If, if I can speak from my own center, my own grounding, my alignment, it seems that invites other people to that same alignment. I'm not saying it's, it's, that's, not, that's not science. It's not because I do it that it always will happen. But yeah. it's, it's conducive. It's, it's uh, what they call the entrainment, you know, like if... If, if enough people of a group have a certain level of awareness and how they speak and how they behave will entrain the others into the same level of awareness. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's, there's the slowing down with the talking piece. So the conversation goes really slow. Um, we always mention you can invite silence. Like, even if you say like, I pick up the talking piece now, 
but I first want a minute of silence. And then you can sometimes feel the whole group like, mm. yeah. Um, and so there's, I will never host a group on my own. Like I have always co-hosts, even they don't do anything. Like they're just there, they're just participating. But they either said like, I want to learn more about this or they, they have learned different paths like meditation or yeah, yeah, any kind of these new we practices or like circling or others. And they kind of know what, this, what is the space we want to get to. So somehow there is an invisible holding, I would say, an invisible container, we sometimes say, whatever that means. Um, I mean, again, we don't have words. I mean, exact words. We do have some words, but what is that, a container or a field or um, that's so much of that is intangible and still you can see, feel real change yeah, or real insights or yeah. meaningful experience or. Yeah. yeah. It, it feels like this kind of like post rational realms that we're, um, you know, moving yeah. into and that um where where things do become like fields and intangible and yet are completely tangible at the same time it's like undeniably here you know you yeah. can feel that shift and everybody you can feel that sense of group coherence when it arises yeah. and yeah. yet it's it's post-rational in a sense yes it's coming it's also informing the rational but Mm-hmm. it's beyond it yeah. yeah and i and i i think the let's say the next edge or the what we're moving towards is how can some of the mental and the conceptual that we also need have a real dance with that other kind of knowing of sensing mm. intuition um like how can we go beyond that paradox kind of it's either we have a conceptual conversation or either we sit in a circle and no where is how is that dance where facts are let's say if we pick up again hunger in my neighborhood. What are the facts? It's really good information to bring in. Yeah, like how many people actually are under under the poverty line or how many children don't have food enough or I mean there's facts and science and all this post-rational whatever you call it, ways of knowing, I call them. Um, and we need that 
that wholeness of knowing. And yeah, we are still trying to figure out, I think, how that works, how that could work. Yeah. The, the, the two things that really struck me there, you said like the wholeness of knowing and it, the dance, like how, what's that like for you? What are those two like for you? Um, I, I notice these days, um, I don't know if, if you or your listeners or um, do know about places like the Stoa and Rebel Wisdom. Um, mm, yes. They have lots of videos and lots of interviews with, let's say, bright minds who, who know something about the future and who know something about what's going wrong. And uh, some of them are highly conceptual that even sometimes I'm like, uh, I don't know if I can actually understand this. Uh, I turn it <laughs> off. But my intuition tells me they are up to something. They have something, yeah? But it's, um, but they're, these people are then not inclined to sit in a circle and have that slow pace unfolding kind of thing. Um, although I noticed in both these communities, you could say, of the Stoa and Rebel Wisdom, um, there is this search for how do we actually integrate the, the conceptual knowledge of like, Dave Snowden is also some of these guys. I call them the guys, yeah? I mean, good stuff, good stuff. But sometimes and I'm like, oh, my head blows open. <laughs> yeah. And it seems we, I was thinking the other day, like maybe we need some translators or something in between or bridge builders or... Mm. Um, but it, uh, yeah, I hope, I think it's one of my private hopes to actually be in circle practice in collective presencing where people can bring the facts and the theory and we then understand something really, really deeper. Yeah. But yeah. not with our heads, but embodied in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that touches me. So there's something about like the, the mind, the, un, the unintegrated mind, I think. And I'm not, I'm not referring to these people um, explicitly here, just in general where mm -hmm. you can feel it. And then there's a sense where the mind is integrated and there's a sense, perhaps this speaks to your question of the wholeness and the dance where um, there's a kind of... Um, gnosis you know like with a g-n-o-s-i-s uh -huh. so it's like um ontology and is it um epistemology or etymology i can't remember the <laughs> knowing anyway one of those two i forgot epistemology it's, yeah so they come together yeah yeah and that's like knowing and being become part of one 
you know, whole. And um, yeah. that has a very palpable sense to it. And so I think like, it's almost like, as you speak, I get a sense of the, of a, like a tantric element of this, where the facts are a facet of a felt experience, you know, and when they're spoken, they're like um, points, nodes within this experience and they give a kind of definition to it. And yet they're not um, devoid. They're not, they're not cut off from that the wholeness of the experience, which is perhaps when it's purely intellectual, that's what we can feel sometimes where it's like, yes, like uh, it's all like, yes, yes. And, you know, like <laughs> there's something yeah. missing here. Yeah. And what do we then actually do the next day? Yeah. That right. is my question. Or just recently in, in a conversation with Jordan Hall and he was explaining and he, he apologized for being meta abstract. And at a certain point, I put a question in the chat. I'm like, what is the real question here actually like sometimes you can build so much theory and it might all be good stuff but what would the theory serve actually like what is the question on the ground in our daily lives that actually can draw from that theory for at least some input, yeah. And yeah. But if I miss, if I miss the translation in between, I I, I cannot do that on my own. Um, uh, maybe others can, but yeah. Well, as you share this and you speak, mm -hmm. I it's like I can feel the sense of the you know, the presencing here now, you know, yeah. um, I think I've, I feel that there's a strong transmission of that way of being from you in general, as the way as I hear you speak, yeah. and you bring yourself. It's like, um, it invites me into a, a deeper considering, you know, presencing. Mm. And, and so the reason I'm sharing that is because like I can feel the presence, the generative presence of like, how do we, how do we bring these together? You know, mm -hmm. the, the, the brilliance of these people that you're naming, you know, like yeah. I, I have such a high respect for what rebel wisdom and the Stoa and Dave and Jordan, beautiful yeah. man, you know, what they, what they're bringing into the world. And, and yet we're sensing, ah, and I don't think they would disagree with us, you know, no. like, I think they would be like, yes. Um, and so like, you can feel why I'm saying is you can feel the, the livingness, the generativeness of that inquiry here now. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, at yeah. this, it is my inquiry at the moment. That's like, how is that going to happen? I'm, I'm really curious. <laughs> Oh. Do you, what comes up for you when you ask that question? What comes up? 
um, in a way, it's, I, it's what I believe or sense or intuit that that is what we really need. And I mean, if we just look at the world and all the problems that are going on, um, all these wicked problems that are so complex to use Dave Snowden's language. And um, there's something new that we need to learn. That's mm. my sense. And collective wisdom is one way. Um, or is one element integrating these different ways of knowing uh, is another element. Um, yeah, and that's just, that's my felt sense that that's what's needed. Um, at some point in time, I said, we we don't have time anymore to do the things quickly. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a huge paradox, but it's, I think we need to really sit down in many, many places, sit together, heal the wounds, to, not to forget personal, cultural, generational, um, but not for the sake of healing, but for the sake of um, integration and freeing the life's energy um, that is stuck in all these traumas, which are then, which is then available to figure out what we do with this mess, yeah? in a very creative way, in ways, in ways we haven't seen yet, I think. Um. Yeah, it, it, so I get a huge resonance. Like I feel, yes, like inside of me, as you name that, I was sat with a sense of like, oh, it, perhaps it is about that evolutionary creativity uh -huh. um, that, that, um, is the the missing ingredient of the just the purely brilliant intellectual it's like there's something about the force of that um that the energy of of creativity of of the evolutionary energy that is yeah and and um how that's being dampened you know or and i've blocked is the right word by our collective ways of being together right now, which are very polarized and traumatized. And yeah, I'm, I think this is the elephant in the room, you know, like I, I was in conversation with Thomas Hubel the other day uh -huh. and I just hear a strongly. And when you speak echoing what some of what he's yeah, saying, yeah. like that totally. we, we're swimming in these waters that we just take for granted. And we uh, think it's normal. We think it's normal. We exactly. think it's normal. Um, right. And then suddenly somebody cries and people get upset and, oh, shall we bring her to the doctor or to the hospital? Or instead of, yeah. can we just 
hold that together. Just be with, with intensity. I mean, can be intense and sure coaches and therapists know that it can be very intense to sit with deep trauma and witnessing that and holding that, but we can do it. We are capable of, and when, when I understood like, how does healing happen? Let's say in a, individual personal client who is traumatized. The things of the past don't change. What has happened has happened. Yeah. And but somehow in the relationship, in the witnessing, in the being present with, in that social engagement, to use term of the theory, yeah. People have another look at what happened. I mean, the facts didn't change, but the trauma gets healed. So if we look at that phenomenon, I was wondering, what if we look, let's say, to the future, to the potential, not to the past, but to the future? Like, can we not do the same thing in the presence, in the present moment that flips the future? Mm. Yeah? Mm. I mean, yeah. you have to get out of linear time, basically, and understanding that any change, any change happens in the moment. Yeah. Not yesterday, not tomorrow. It always happens in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And I don't know if this is like the theory, the, the, the territory of theory you, you know, like bottom of the you, or, you know, Whitehead talked about the future. Can I, I, mean, I, I must admit, I've, it's been a while since I read him, but it's like the, the sense of the future pouring into the present. Um, but, but I'm struck by this question, you know, like, can we flip that and can we actually attune? I'm, I'm guess I'm phrasing it as attuning to the future that wants to emerge. Yeah. Yeah. Or that's if, if traumatized people can tune into a potential that heals them. Yeah, I mean, right. not grammar is not good here, but um, there is also a potential for society, for the global community. There, there is a potential. We can do more than what we do now, and we—it's not tomorrow. It's in this moment that we tap into the potential, which make tomorrow different, yeah? Which changes the course of where tomorrow goes. Well, it makes me think of insolment, you know, um, or like one of the things I've done with my clients a lot is to have them 
you know, shift. It doesn't work so well if you do this from a um, an agitated or, you know, very common state of mind. But if people can drop, slow down, and then really tune into their deepest heart's longing or calling, and then yeah. articulate that, and then actually, yeah, what you're saying is like, well, that's what I say to them. It's like, of course, it's not in the future. It's now. It's here now. And so what's the experience of of tuning into that like? And they can get an embodied sense of the calling as it shows up now, as a place to live from now. Mm-hmm. And And I think as I've learned about this idea of soul, it's the same thing. It's like we kind of like turn our frequency to, towards are unique, like you said earlier on in our conversation, that yeah. we, we have a unique offering and there's something, I think, yeah, there's something healing about that too. It's like, it's a different paradigm. It's a different state of consciousness than, than I'm broken or I'm oh, yeah. deficit, uh, um, deficient. So deficient. It's like, it's, it is whole and it comes with a sense of, um, yeah. Um, tune it, a, a contact with what's mine here to give in this mm-hmm. life and yeah. I think that's just to sorry I know I just cut you off but I think it's the probably one of the teachings of our times in terms of what you said about time like do we have time as a, as a collective to um, you know it, we need to change fast or things need to change fast and non, what will happen what will do that in a non-linear way yeah yeah and because it needs to change fast it's very linear still yeah nice good catch yeah or it's urgent right yes in a way it is and if it's coming from fear we're not really present but we are in a trauma response basically either fighting it or fleeing it or whatever. Um, So actually being with the, I call it the ugliness of the world, like it's, it's shit for many, many people. Yeah. If you look at nature, it's real shit. And can we be with that? not fighting, not fleeing, so no trauma response, but being present with the weight of it and the, the huge, how do you say that, um, how big it is, yeah? And hold each other in the overwhelm, in the fear, in everything, and then then what comes up yeah mm. that's that's what i think is needed yeah. yeah i'm not saying it's easy but it seems to be it seems to be the challenge at the moment yeah do and i'm just curious do you feel that there are more people open to doing what you just described yeah, I I notice that the word trauma and my trauma response and 
I'm triggered and um, becomes becomes more into the mainstream, yeah. Especially in let's say business who are into more self management and horizontal organizations and all that, where people tend to spend more time on checking in with each other and and looking at yeah little disputes or conflicts or um, trying to learn from that. I see that, yeah, trauma as as phenomenon, let's say, becomes more into mainstream. If if I just look, I mean, if I just yeah. look back forty years ago, even I studied psychology. I don't think the word trauma was ever used, even. Um, but there's a yeah, if you see in a longer time frame, there is a change. Um, and people wanting to know about it, like, yeah, what do I need to know when I'm a facilitator or a trainer? Um, I don't want to make it worse for people. Or what is my own trauma response? When do I get triggered? Uh, and how do I handle that? So I, it's the same, like I always say when, when I was small, child psychology was like nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like I remember my parents had one book on child psychology and how mm-hmm. to do education. Yeah. Dr. Spock. I don't know <laughs> how many how many uh, countries that was spread, but but if I now look at my children dealing with my grandchildren. I mean, child psychology and how you should be with little children, it's like miles apart. And I'm not saying this is happening everywhere, but Mm. it is happening. And from these people, it will cascade and ripple out to more. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to have a big time frame to see these changes. And I, I wonder if the pandemic is also accelerating that sense of um, people asking big questions about yeah. the way, not just on an individual level, but collectively about the way we live in relationship to our, our planet and to work and to materialism yep. and, and understanding of how that's partly driven from, you know, an avoidance of, uh, or a lot of it is a um, coping mechanism mm-hmm. to not being able to feel ourselves and be here. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, it, it, it makes it, it seems to magnify all kinds of things. Uh-huh. Um, magnify that we don't know our neighbors or magnify that we actually need to have walks in nature or... <laughs> all kinds of things. Uh, it seems to make things more extreme in all kind of ways. Yeah. And people we- stepping out of the system and saying, I'm quitting my job and I'm moving or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see that more too as with people I know. Yeah. Um, I, so as we just come to a close, like I, the question comes up about um, 
like what excites you at the moment in terms of like, is there, is there something you're exploring right now? Some kind of dimension of this work or anything that that's like you find really exciting or. Um, it's a bit odd maybe, but um, I mean, for the longest time I've been organizing trainings and workshops and gatherings and it was always like, yeah, you need to put it on social media and you need to have a nice invitation and da, 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 all that marketing stuff and to get your list filled and people showing up. And I'm now on pension since a couple of months and I can basically do what I want and I do a lot on the gift economy. And I see that collective branding is just moving. It's moving. It just moves by itself. And that's amazing. Like, okay, and this person wants to do this with me. And there's a group forming and there's an idea. And I'm like, okay, how how to be in the same way when it becomes bigger or something um, or what is the right way to let it grow is not even a right word but if it wants to spread I don't know how 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 to do that in a way that is in alignment with it yeah it doesn't become a stretch of me or overstretching of some other people or not falling back and oh this is what you do when you get bigger then you start organizing it in this way or that way or yeah um i don't want to do that um, yeah but then what <laughs> yeah well yeah i think that speaks to the um new emerging ways of being in business as well and and allowing things to grow into the world and you know um we're we're in a similar question in a way D different very different but also it has some yeah. echoes of that of like yeah how do we like we don't want to be like controlling all this and and like um the gatekeepers and like everything's about making money and yeah uh, i mean that does help us to to feed ourselves and to to have impact and we live in a world of money so it's not bad i don't want to make money bad but it's yeah. like if that's the only game in town it's very impoverished so yeah. um yeah how to let the the this how it wants to organically grow grow and yeah. Well, may, maybe what you're sharing now sparks something for people who are listening. And um, yeah, I don't know if you're open to people reaching out or about the work and stuff. Um, of, course, imagine, of course. I'd love to direct people to your, where can people find out more about the work? So there is a website uh, that's called collectiveprocessing.org. And it's mainly, um, it holds an ebook that you can download uh, with Gift Economy. Um, and there's, as I said, more and more events are coming up 
um, that will be on the website. And um, yeah, there's some other resources and the link to YouTube. And I mean, it's not, it's not big, but you, mm. you can find, you can find some good stuff. Yeah. Just, just one last thing that comes to mind is, you know, you mentioned rebel wisdom and the stoa and, um, I do to get one of the things we've been talking about is this sense of like, how can we connect people together? Um, There there are these groups of people, you know, in the world who are doing this work and people are coming at, you know, they're doing different things, but there's Mm -hmm. obviously a lot of synergy and um, how can, this is part of our, our question. How can we support other people? How can we become a network um, not that we like want to make an explicit network necessarily and, you know, make, but, it, but how can we like, how can we, in a way that serves humanity, in a way that serves life, you know, that's something I'm sat with really. Yeah. Um, I looked myself quite some years ago, like, yeah, it should be good that all these networks get connected and, ULAP and Presencing Institute and Art of Hosting and Dragon Dreaming and uh, Permaculture and all, all these good things that were happening. And I tried a couple of times. I heard from others. Um, and I come to think that it's in the local projects that you actually need to meet. Like what is happening in your city, in your town, in your neighborhood, in your school, in your local gardens or, and use all you have there. Yeah. Use your facilitation skills, use your coaching skills, use your whatever skills you have and and, and, and be there, try to make something happen, little changes. Um, I think that's where we need to go instead mm. of linking the networks with the networks. Mm. I mean, for what reason? Mm. Yeah. 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 Do something on the ground. And if you think you miss something or you, you miss a certain expert or, or certain expertise, yeah, you will find them if you put the question out. But from my experience in our local town, it's amazing what expertise we have together. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's amazing because there is an architect and there is a facilitator and there's a a general practitioner and there is a, a builder and there's artists and there's you name it, any expertise we would need, we have it. Mm. Yeah? It's, it's really amazing. Or we, if, if they're not really in the group, at least somebody knows somebody who has the expertise and is willing to give it. Yeah. So it's, that's also a different paradigm. Yeah. 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 And I guess if it's not having any impact in the local, what's the point, you know? Yeah, that's where I'm coming to, yeah. Yeah, I love that, yeah. 
Reminds mm-hmm. Zach Stein said something similar on the podcast about it's in the local, the yeah. immediacy of your connections with neighbors and friends that's mm-hmm. important now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ria, I want to thank you for this conversation. Uh, it's really touched me and I'm mm. uh, just um, grateful that you were willing to come and share yourself with with us. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you very much. I hope it was people can take something out of it. Yeah. That's good. Here I am again. Hope you enjoyed this podcast with Ria. Just a word up or a heads up <laughs> if you're not on a mailing list and you want to be you want to be in the loop about the things we create that are not this podcast then head to coachesrising.com on the home page there you'll find a sign up box and yeah if you feel like sharing this podcast or leaving a review i'd be very grateful and then the third thing just be well be well in these times 2021 here we are i'm wishing you a good year and i'll see you next time